Hello and welcome to another edition of 90 Hayden Row, the podcast that focuses on all things Hopkinton and Hopkinton High School. My name is Evan Bishop, the principal here at the high school. So on today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about mindfulness. Here at HHS, over the last few years, we have focused quite a bit of energy on uh, social-emotional learning, and I know that is a district-wide initiative. One part of that is focusing more on mindfulness, which really is that basic human ability to be fully present of where we are and, and what we're doing and not overly reactive or overwhelmed by what's going on around us. And we've done quite a bit of work in that regard, be through the staff, uh, at faculty meetings, but also with our student body in having uh, last December kind of a mindfulness month where we presented different strategies and techniques for students to be more mindful of their feelings and, and, and how to calm down in those stressful moments and, and, and find peace. And we have a number of different staff members here at the high school that have really been behind a lot of this initiative. Um, and on today's episode, uh, Justin has the opportunity to talk to, to, to a few of them. Uh, Lisa Winner, uh, one of the adjustment counselors here at the high school and is the head of our START program for students that have been out of school for an extended period of time that are transitioning back into the school, as well as Valerie von Rosenring, our long-standing, uh, excellent uh, drama teacher who has been here for a number of years and, and has practices mindfulness in her own life, but also does it quite a bit within her classes. So let's go to that conversation now. Thanks, Evan. It seems like everywhere you look in the media, you hear or see the phrase mindfulness. So as the concept of mindfulness has, in its practices have become more popular, we thought it would be interesting to explore what it is, what it's not, and to learn more about what the role it looks like in education in general. So joining me today, we have two members of the HHS staff who are very experienced in mindfulness. We have an educator in our performing arts department, Valerie von Rosenvinge. Thank you for joining us, Valerie. I'm glad to be here. And we also have one of our adjustment counselors who works in our START program, Lisa Winner. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I think a good jumping off point because people have a lot of opinions of what mindfulness is or make a lot of assumptions. So how would you describe mindfulness to someone who is completely unfamiliar with the idea? Well, the way I describe it to my students is basically clearing your mind of all distractions, focusing on the here and now without judgment. Do you describe it in any different ways, Lisa? Yeah, no, I think that, you know, paying attention to any one thing, you know, with a non-judgmental focus, with a compassionate, patient uh, sense of humor is one of the ways that I would describe it as well. And it's interesting because I feel that as mindfulness is becoming a little bit more of a normal part of the lexicon, it does get lumped into meditation. I don't know, do you find that? Do you find that people sometimes make similar kind of connections between those two? Yes. Well, I mean, meditation is a form of mindfulness, but you can be mindful without practicing meditation. So yes. if you were, like, when we talk about... I mean, at least I think that that's what you can do. Absolutely. I think you can bring mindfulness into everything that you're doing. Do you think, what do you think are some of the major differences between those two concepts? Is it a mindfulness practice, meditation kind of falls into that category, or is it... That's what I would say. I mean, for an example, I was doing, I'm in a, I'm doing actually mindfulness and meditation with my Passages kids right now. And I said, one of the things that you can do when you're in a situation like preparing for a test or waiting, you know, somebody, you're getting nervous or your anxiety level is going up lots of people, you can do something like, okay, count everything red. Now that is not meditation, mm -hmm. but it's mindfulness in that you are kind of eliminating all distractions. You're focusing on one thing, and you're not judging the red things. You're just counting the red things. 
And it doesn't, and while you're engaged in that, you can't think of anything else. So the level of anxiety can begin to decrease and you can, you know, slow down your heart rate. But that isn't meditation. That's a mindful practice. You know, I think that's a really important distinction because I think some of the, I don't want to say stigma, but some of the negative connotations that associate with meditation, I think people are, in, I mean, students are no different. I think people really appreciate the idea of slowing down and doing it. But sometimes the idea of doing it gets in the way when you think of having to sit there and go um and all some of the like some of the stereotypical things that get people away from being able to utilize some of those practices so that what you just said with the colors it's a really good example of something that has nothing to do with any of the other mysticism or eastern medicine or any of those other types of approaches so that's an interesting distinction and an important one um i think a lot of what's happening for students is they're you know taking a test or quiz as they might think, oh, the last two quizzes I didn't do well. So, you know, they're in the past. They're not in the present. They're thinking about the future. This is going to impact my GPA. This is going to impact my my choices in the world. And so doing something like thinking of the color red or just doing something like, oh, you know, in the present moment, I'm actually hungry. I forgot to eat breakfast and that's making me feel you know, out of sorts right now. I just need a snack. So it's very, very practical and pragmatic. Why do you think that mindfulness has grown so dramatically in, I'd say in the last like three or four years? What do you, why do you think that, what, what could you attribute that to in your opinion? Well, I think there's been a phenomenal amount of research that has shown the benefits. I mean, the benefits, it's, it's mind-boggling what basically just 10 minutes a day of mindful practice can have in terms of anxiety, in terms of heart rate, in terms of health, like genuine health, in terms of reaction to pain. I mean, the list goes on and on. And I think that as especially students are in the school situation are experiencing stress, people are turning to this as a kind of, you know, not large investment in terms of finances, way to help kids counteract the stress and deal with the things, not only now, but if they if they become used to it, then they can carry it into the future when, as we know, adulthood gets a lot more stressful than high school. <laughs> and I think it's been, I think we've done at HHS, I think we've done a very good job of talking about it as part of our social emotional learning and, and really applying it, but not doing it with a heavy handed approach, uh, allowing people to kind of explore it, staff members and students to kind of explore it on their own. So it's not a mandate, but more so find a technique that works for you and what's something that has been beneficial to you because to your point it's not really just for students it's for anyone so i think the staff members and students to be able to share techniques or to have those kind of conversations it's really impactful and it's really beneficial to be able to speak that common language kind of in that same vein what are some techniques that you've seen staff members use that have been particularly effective either with themselves and they've shared it with you or with their classes? Have there been particular things that you've seen? I can talk about what I do in my class, but I haven't necessarily seen it, except for my conversations with Lisa, I haven't mm-hmm. really seen it being used in other classes. That's not to say it's not being used. I just mm-hmm. don't have firsthand knowledge. I know that Sarah Williams has been uh, creating some Zen gardens with her classes. It's part of her AP Art History unit. And so the students create these, and they learn about the history. They learn about where they came from, what the meaning is. And then they create their own, and they can keep using them throughout class. So they can be sitting, and uh, if they're you know having a hard day or difficulties paying attention for any reason, they could be working with the sand garden, which is a sensation that helps bring them into the present moment. That's one example, and I was just talking with uh, Ken Gates the other day about how he will often have his students design crossword puzzles, and the 
a crossword puzzle is actually a really nice way to, if your mind is somewhere else, to get your mind to be focused on the here and now. Or if your mind is in an emotional place, that you can bring your logic brain into the classroom environment and to just take a break and refocus. Um, so there's all sorts of different ways. Some teachers are doing actual breathing exercises and things like that in their classrooms. Karen Reno is doing a lot in a lot of the wellness. Basically what she's doing is she's teaching her students, they're doing actually research at, in the building with uh, another outside institution where they take the vitals of the students at the beginning and at the end and they do different types of activities like yoga or 20 minutes of cardio and then they see, you know, um, how they're then performing on different academic tasks. I work with my students. One of the things that I've taught them is is if the if you're breathing four or less times breaths per minute, mm. it literally sends a signal to your brain that you're safe and your amygdala shuts down and your frontal lobe can work at its full capacity. I have them, you know, uh, the normal schedule, but every lunch block, I have the first, we take second lunch, and that first 20 minutes, we spend meditating. And I usually do a guided meditation, and at the beginning, you know, the kids are kind of like, oh gosh. But as they get into it, and they recognize the, the shift in energy that's in the room from the time they come in to the time that they leave, how relaxed they are, there's no complaint about it. I mean, they, they are, they're ready. And so now I'm doing a meditation like every day and different types of meditation. I've had them research articles where they can see and read about the benefits. And I can see them little by little buying into it to the point where I think that once they leave here, they may actually keep it in their back pocket as something that they may not be actively practicing it, but if they get into situation in college where they feel a little bit stressed, they might, you know, remember, oh, there's that Calm app, on, you know, I can put on my phone or, mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many, there's so many resources out there that people can, people can find something that works for them. And it's such an important distinction to make because now, I mean, everyone seems so busy through whether it be the students, whether it be staff and just general population, everyone seems incredibly busy. But to be able to trade that 20 minutes of calm, it doesn't even have to be 20 minutes, but yeah. just being able to trade that calm proactively and just saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get in touch with where I am right now. Right. It's amazing the difference it makes in the long term. And I think one of the uh, consistent refrains is that I don't have time to do those kinds of things. Right. When in reality, it's just, it's just a matter of taking that time and then being more productive. I know that after I kind of just get myself where I need to be, the amount of work or what I'm able to focus on moving forward, it just produces better work. Yeah. And it allows me to allows me to focus on those things. And I think the students are starting to see that. I know last year, for the first time ever before MCAS, um, the wellness department led our students through a series of activities. And I don't, I think our student body is outstanding, so I don't think this is directly attributed to it, but we had our highest MCAS scores Ever. Right. And I mean, it was interesting to see how they came into it after just 15 minutes of exercise and breathing and just kind of getting moving and they were able to then harness that in. And I think the focus and attention was so much stronger than in years past. It was really impressive to see that in a large scale experiment right. of sorts. Yeah. You know. It was fascinating to me to watch that happening and to see a number of students who usually come undone prior to exams smiling, just feeling really excited about going into their exam. It was totally different. Well, I personally, I took a course last year in it because I've, I've, I've been doing this since I've been here. I mean, I've been doing mindfulness and meditation since, you know, for 17 years. I was having a real issue with the, the results of the election, the way that the politics was spinning out of control. And I would come to school sometimes really agitated. Mm -hmm. So 
part of this course was we needed to find a time during the day every day to meditate. So what I decided to do was to turn off the radio and drive the half hour to and from school thinking, I mean, obviously I'm watching the road, but I'm just counting my breaths. So I was doing it till it's an hour a day that I was just counting the breaths. 12 counts in, 12 counts out. That's all I was doing. And so I basically wasn't distracted by the, the thoughts. I found I was so much better. I slept better. I was calmer. I didn't react when I heard something that you know would have jarred me previously. So there's an instance of where I didn't have to add time into my day. I just had to shift the way I was doing something on my own. I mean, it it there was no impact except positive impact. So to this day, I very rarely listen to the news or music, at least on one of the rides. I just breathe. I think most people's commute in is, is very stressful. So to be able to turn that off <laughs> yeah, and to tune out for a little while and just focus on something else and actually see the benefits of it moving oh, forward. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it really was very obvious to me that I was, I was in a much better place. That's I have a similar, I, similar thing. I have a 45-minute commute, and it's the best part of my day. And, and similarly, I take assessment at the beginning of the drive, and then sometimes I'll do that. I'll do, you know, paced breathing, or sometimes it just depends on how I'm feeling in that right. day. Sometimes I need music. Sometimes I need to be distracted with something funny or a good story. Where do you, you know, in terms of this in looking at how it has become more prevalent, but it's obviously not as widespread as it could be, and I think it's when we look at social emotional health, we're always looking at what is the best thing for the most students? How do we get more students involved in these types of things and being a little bit more in control of their feelings and emotions and how do they control that and reduce that stress? So if we were in a perfect world, what do you think in five years, what would social emotional learning in relation to mindfulness look like here? I would say that it's one of the best ways of bringing mindfulness into the classroom is to be having educators who are taking care of themselves and who are creating some type of self-care practice, whether it's mindfulness-based or not. But that is going to, the more that the, the, the teachers are lowering their stress levels, they're going to be modeling that actively in their classrooms. And then some teachers might even be willing to bring their practices and their things that they're doing, their strategies, into the classroom with their students. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, I think one of the reasons my kids, they're, you know, sometimes reluctant at the beginning, is uh, I weave it into how they're going to cope with the weird stuff that hits you on a Tuesday afternoon in adulthood. And, you know, explain to them that being alone is not being lonely. And I think for a lot of these kids, they think, they think they're the same thing. And so because I teach communication skills, I also teach intra-communication, you know, intrapersonal, which is within yourself. And so I'm giving them a whole background as to why it's important. And then I, I weave in my own personal stories and how I had to come to this awareness and fight my way through things. And I had to realize, I realized that the only person I can rely on in this world truly is myself. And the way to get to know yourself is to spend time with yourself. And mindfulness is a way to do that. And also to control your thoughts instead of having your thoughts control you. And so when you give them a lot of the reasons and they see, well, I think they see I'm so passionate about it. I'm just not, you know, throwing it out there because it's the latest thing. Because I'm truly invested in it, they kind of take a step back and say, all right, well, I'll give it a shot. And then because we do it regularly and I think they begin to slowly, you can't just do it once and, and get it, but when they begin to realize how quickly now they can drop into it because we do it on a regular basis, they're seeing the benefits and I think that that's what has to happen. I think when teachers are truly invested in it and are practicing it themselves, then the, the kid's more like, 
oh, well, this is obviously something I can use when I grow up. Whereas, you know, how many times do they say, when am I ever going to use this <laughs> after I leave school? Well, you, you are going to use this, you know. It's going to make your life better. As we talk about social media all the time and about sharing content, creating content, and putting things and thoughts out there, that intrapersonal conversation really falls by the wayside in a lot of times. Absolutely. And as people look exterior, you know, out to the outside to find their identity, they don't have those real conversations because they're right. never alone. They're and always they're inundated with stimuli. And they're allowing other people to create yeah. their identity. And that's, where, that's, that's a dangerous territory. And having that conversation and being able to shut everything off and tune out for a little while and actually have those conversations with yourself is really, really vital. Yeah. So it's a great point. Before we wrap up, I would be very interested in hearing if anyone listening to our podcast is interested in finding out more. What are, what are some resources that you would recommend a beginner to mindfulness? Oh my gosh, there's so much out there. There are some good apps you can put on your phone, like 10 minute. I think Calm is one. That's Headspace. one I have. And what are some others? Headspace has some pretty hilarious Headspace. little uh, short cartoons that explain the theory of, of mindfulness and meditation. But, you know, I think the best way to start out, honestly, because everybody has these little, you know, devices in their hands that are capable of playing things or mm -hmm. putting, connecting them to your, you know, your stereo at home or whatever, is a, like a 10-minute meditation where somebody's telling you exactly what to do. Mm -hmm. And for those 10 minutes, you kind of buy into it and say, okay, this is where I'm going to focus my attention. And so it, you're handing it over to somebody else to guide you through it. And I think that that's the best way to start because we have this tendency, and this is perfectly normal, when we're just sitting in silence, thoughts come in. Mm -hmm. And we don't, you know, to be able to just brush them aside and realize that in 10 minutes the thought's still going to be there. I can deal with it then. But right now, what I'm doing is being. It's not when you're meditating that you're not doing anything. You're doing a lot. You're being. And so we have to become comfortable with that that is something valid to do, is just be. There are a lot of local resources. There's a, on YouTube, I've created a Hiller's Mindfulness uh, playlist. I like a lot of guided meditations, personally. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's all sorts of different types. In the mornings, uh, we've been offering some community mindfulness practices. And right now, they're happening in the start room at 6.45 and at 7 o'clock for the HHS community. And I just try to do lots of different types of styles and techniques. Um, sometimes people, especially if you're dealing with anxiety or intense pain or grief, a lot of really difficult feeling and emotion, um, it might be pretty hard to start with 10 minutes of something. Well, yeah. You can even yeah. start with one minute of just, okay, I'm just going to accept that this is what it is and I'm going to not judge it and just be patient and gentle and compassionate with myself for one minute. And sometimes just being that gentle can be a really good starting place. I used to really have a hard time sitting still. Like, it was excruciating for me to sit still. And so my first mindfulness was doing rock climbing because you have to be very, very present when you're rock climbing. Uh, you have yeah. to pay attention to absolutely everything that you're doing. <laughs> and now I love stillness, but it took some time for my nervous system to rewire to a place where I right. could be still. There's also a parent group coming up in the next, I think starting in January, uh, Samantha Harris and Mary Ellen Grady are gonna do a six week parent group for any Hopkinton oh, public school student parents. Oh, we've been doing um, uh, some memo posts for the faculty. Uh, we've also started doing some Instagram posts for more of a broader audience about different techniques. She's There's obviously one. the one to talk There's to. There's a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's some things going on. Any of you come sit in my class, but we yeah. should definitely talk to her. <laughs> yeah, we really live it in the, um, 
in the START program. We know we, it's very organic and it's very, right. you know, we just, the students are with us all day long, some of them, not all of them, but they are with us all day and they are watching us all day. And so what you said before about having to share some of your personal experiences, right. because they're, they're just noticing and observing yeah. and they keep yeah. us on our game as far as, okay, that communication frustrated me. I'm gonna go do something to, you know, calm myself down. And it just, right. and we practice the skills with them and they just love it. Providing those access points is so important too, because yeah. it's not just one thing, there's a lot of things. And a lot of times it's not always represented in that broad sense. Mm. So it's an umbrella of different techniques and practices. So it's really important to supply students because they're not all gonna come at it from the same point. So being able to have them access it from different ways. And also, just like we were talking about the teachers modeling, I mean, to see your parents or guardians modeling these behaviors at home, that can definitely change the dialogue that's happening around the kitchen right. table or the Absolutely. dinner table. So that's an important distinction. Well, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Well, Have a great day. Thank, thank you, Justin, Lisa, and Val. A very interesting uh, conversation. We appreciate you taking the time. We hope you all enjoyed the discussion around mindfulness. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss or someone you would like us to interview, please reach out to me. Uh, we'd be happy to incorporate that into our next podcast. But for now, we hope you all have a wonderful day. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and go Hillers.